Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. Every other week, we dive into the topics that matter to moms most, answering your most pressing questions as we learn from top-notch experts, swap stories, tap into our creative sides, and advocate for the causes that moms truly care about, all while hanging with your mom friends. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive in. We are truly grateful that you are here and spending a moment with us. Out of courtesy, we wanted to let you know that there is a bit of static in the beginning of the episode. Technology didn't feel like being friendly to us on the day we recorded. It is minimal and gets better further into the recording. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to Mama Needs a Moment. We are switching things up today and you are going to hear from both Chrissy and I together. What an exciting time. We don't do this very much. No, this is kind of a new thing. We did it once last season, but we focused on more of our initiatives and this go around, we're getting a little more personal. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. We're basing this off of a book we read. We both really loved it and we felt that it would be beneficial for us to use those questions as a guidepost for this episode. So do you want to share what the book was? The book is Share Your Stuff. I'll go first. 10 questions to take your friendships to the next level. It's by Laura Tremaine. We did it as a book club book a few months ago, and it was such a great discussion. We loved talking with each other and with our moms about these topics, and we kind of thought it would be a fun podcast episode to dive deep between Cindy and myself and ask some of these questions. We're not going through all 10 of them. We each picked two Uh, I picked two, Cindy picked two. We have no idea how long we'll talk about these. So we don't know if we'll get through all four of the questions that we picked. We're just going to kind of wing it and go for it. One of the first questions um, is one that I picked actually, and it's who taught you how to be? And Laura in this book says, as much as we would all like to believe we are true originals, like all the songs say, and like our mamas told us, We're really a collage of the people around us and those we imitate. She makes the point that it's family, it's friends, it's media, it's, you know, the the internet and the TV shows that we watch. And it's also people that we don't want to be like. It's people that we've observed and we we don't want to imitate. And that can influence us too. So the question is, who taught you how to be? So... (laughs) Oh, are you directing that at me now? Yeah, (laughs) I am. I have to be true. I know. Yeah. I I have to admit that um, out of all of the questions, the four questions that we had chosen, this one was the hardest for me. It is because I feel like I haven't ever really let myself be, if that makes sense. Mm. Laura. Yes explains what you just said about how growing up we take from the world around us. And one thing that she particularly said in this introduction piece is we don't understand when we're young that everyone else is also learning how to be in the world from their families of origin. And we are impressed by those who seem to know how to be in the world better than we do. And we try their actions on for size. That 
resonated with me so much because I feel like throughout my life, I have looked at the people around me and have felt that they seem to know how to be in the world better than I do. And so there was this comparison thing going on. Like, why do they seem to know how to live better than me? But when I dove into this a little bit more, I thought about birth order. I am a middle child and you being a former psychology teacher and me being a psychology bachelor of science major from college, we both know that this was original, this concept or this theory was brought about by Alfred Adler. And his theory is that the order a child is born into the family shapes their development and personality. And so he provides different stereotypes. So there's different stereotypes that go along with it. And when I look up a middle child, the middle child stereotypes tend to be peacekeepers. We tend to enjoy negotiations and compromise, and we tend to relate to people of different ages. And when I absorbed that a bit, I was like, yeah, I'm a peacekeeper. I really dislike conflict. I negotiate and compromise with people to avoid conflict if I can. And that, that's all survival techniques. I know that I learned growing up and we can dive into this so much deeper. But when I think about who taught me how to be, there are so many individual people throughout my life that impacted me. And I really can't narrow it down to just a couple of people to say, oh yeah, this person stands out as someone who taught me how to be. I know for a fact that my sister and my brother were impactful. My sister being the oldest, she had the older stereotypes of you know really good leadership skills. And she tends to be more forthcoming with her opinions. She'll say how she feels more, more openly than I will. I've always admired that about her. I mean, she is my older sister, so I would admire her growing up. She chose to do something and I would do this, the same thing, you know, whether it was a sport or I, I see her influence a lot. And if I need support, encouragement, feedback, I would go to my sister to, to get that. And then of course, my brother being the youngest, he took on the youngest traits. And the other part of it was my brother had an illness. He, he had hemophilia growing up. So that kind of added into the dynamics of the family and whatnot. But that all really influenced me. I can name certain people that influenced certain periods of my life, for sure. What about you? Did you struggle with this at all? I did. I did. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I mean, thank you for, for sharing. I, I think so often it is our family that, of course, teaches us how to be. And that was, of course, in essence, my answer too. I have a very different family setup and, and dynamic, being an only child raised by a single mom. So that did play a large role, but it wasn't what I included in my answer because there's so many positives and negatives wrapped up in that relationship. So I tried to just kind of focus more on who taught me how to 
be in essence of, of who I am more so than that family dynamic. So my answers veer a little different, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about television. So coming of age, I watched all the classics, you know, Saved by the Bell and Cal- Kelly Kapowski. She was my favorite. I loved her. Michelle Tanner, the Olsen twins, all of their movies, they heavily influenced me a lot for good or bad through much of my childhood years. Punky Brewster, Boy Meets World, the Gilmore Girls, later 90210. Those all taught me as a teenager, an impressionable teenager, what was cool, what was fashionable, what I was supposed to talk like, what I was supposed to be interested in. And I used that as a guide. And and I think that all of those shows heavily influence that. And I think, you know, when you watch shows today and see what our kids are watching, that's kind of where a lot of that fear comes in because we know how impressionable we were and how much we learned Mm -hmm. from, from those, those shows. A bit later in life, uh, probably college age, I became obsessed with Jillian Michaels. I now recognize that my obsession with her probably set me up for some of my unhealthy kind of obsessive attitudes about fitness and working out. So I don't, I found her in college and she gave me something I had always wanted. I feel that I was always athletically inclined, but my mom never really put me in sports until much, much later. And then I was with all these other kids that had been playing sports since they were really young. So Mm, I had the speed, I had the strength, I had the agility, but I didn't have the skills. And I would, I, you know, I would go in and I would be like, I don't want to do this anymore. And my mom would just kind of let me quit because she didn't want to deal. She was like, okay. So I always had this inclination, but I didn't develop the skill set. So I was never able to like get involved in sports to the degree that I probably would have if I had started earlier. So when I found Jillian, I developed this love for weightlifting, functional movement, strength training, just being in the gym. And I, I thrived. I, I was really, really good at it. And I saw Jillian and I knew that was how I wanted to be. That That's how Uh, not necessarily in a healthy way. Again, I think that I've taken that sort of to the extreme, but I did do cool things with it. You know, I, through that mentality of, of, you know, just do it and, and try something new. You know, I ran three marathons. I did a 500 mile walk across Spain. Like I, I tried these things that were probably outside of who I was before college age. So I think she was a big influence. Guess what? Everyone has a spine and nervous system and can benefit from chiropractic care. Anytime there is stress on your nervous system, your body may not function properly. Many people are unaware that children can benefit from chiropractic care. They assume that seeing a chiropractor is just something you do when you're an adult dealing with a bad back, stiff joints, or poor posture. True story, that was me for the longest time. For example, as a newborn, you might struggle to latch or breastfeed. As a toddler, you might experience digestive issues that threaten proper nourishment. As a teen, poor posture, heavy backpacks, contact sports, and normal growing pains can lead to your child experiencing headaches, scoliosis, PMS, back pain, and ADD, ADHD. I definitely wish I had known about chiropractic care when I was a teen. Additionally, as a pregnant woman, you might have persistent lower back pain, which chiropractic care can be a huge help for. Believe it or not, these issues are all related to your nervous system. 
and they can all improve with chiropractic care. Chiropractic care aims to improve the function of your spine and nervous system so that your body can function at its best. Don't wait for the pain. Contrary to popular belief, you don't have to be in pain to seek out chiropractic care. In fact, pain is typically the last symptom that is expressed when the spine isn't in proper alignment. Think of chiropractic care as a healthy lifestyle habit. The same way you brush your teeth to prevent cavities, you should go for regular chiropractic adjustments to promote better spine and nervous system health. I've never thought of it that way. Davis Family Chiropractic serves families in the Raleigh area. They want to help you discover the root cause of your problem, address it, and give your body the best tools it needs to heal. Davis Family Chiropractic focuses on prenatal and pediatric chiropractic care, and their doctors are both certified in the Webster technique, which can be helpful throughout pregnancy or simply as an intervention if a baby is breech. Prenatal chiropractic care helps to keep mom comfortable during pregnancy and helps to get your baby in the best possible position for birth. Davis Family Chiropractic sees kids of all ages from birth through teenagers to make sure that your child is developing properly and adapting to life. Visit Davis Family Chiropractic at daviscaironc.com and on social media at daviscaironc. Improve your family's health before it becomes an issue. Taking it to my family, I was heavily influenced actually by my uncle Jimmy and my aunt Dawn. I did not really have any great relationships to look to as a role model growing up. My mom remained unmarried, but she went from pretty bad dramatic relationship to pretty bad dramatic relationship. (laughs) And I was kind of always along for the ride. But when I looked at my uncle Jimmy and my aunt Dawn, when you looked at their relationship, you just knew that they loved each other, that they had each other's back. You, you would never hear them fighting or complaining about the other person. That's not to say they didn't do it, but they didn't do it for other people to see. And, and I just truly respected that. They always presented this united front to the kids, to the rest of the family. So they were always someone that I sort of aspired to. And as far as relationships go, I learned that from them. And then the final person I thought of is today, and that would actually be my daughter. I think my daughter is teaching me how to be in a lot of ways. I'm not always a good student, but she is continually teaching me. I'm aware of the lessons that she's teaching me. We'll at least say that. Uh, One of the things I've learned from her is forgiveness. She has the biggest heart and she's willing to forgive so quickly. And it immediately brings her peace. Like you can see when she says, it's okay, I forgive you. And the smile just erupts on her face, that immediate peace it brings, that she's made that decision to forgive someone. I, I'm trying to soak that in. I, I want that quickness to forgive. Um, I think it's, it's a valuable life lesson. And she also teaches me all the time about the value and joy of being present. Again, I'm a horrible student, but I'm working on it. She's, um, she's always in the moment as are all kids, but I think that's something that I'm, I'm learning how to be. And it's just such a beautiful thing to watch. I'm also learning through her that you don't have to fit a certain box. So I grew up, um, this is sort of a revelation for me. I grew up always wanting to be more tomboyish again, back to that kind of sports thing, but I was never actually quite a tomboy. My daughter loves dresses and she loves Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She 
is uncomfortable saying hi to people when she first sees them, but she'll dance in the middle of the aisle in the grocery store with everybody watching. Um, she loves playing house and ninja warriors. You know, she takes on all these opposites and I, I love that. And I think I'm slowly learning how to embrace that uncertainty, that willingness to be opposites in one person. And I kind of think that's a beautiful thing too. Um, you don't have to fit into a certain box that society has labeled us with. So that's something I'm learning how to be from my daughter today. Yeah, uh, that's so important. I see it in my girls too. To be able to recognize that it's not one or the other, that there's so much gray. That's something that I've had to get familiar with and train myself with through therapy is that there is a gray area in there. Because when I grew up in a small town, I think there were parts of me that I wanted to embrace more, just like you were talking, but it wasn't what was going to help me survive in the setting that I was in. Like I said, I never really let myself be. What you said was just, was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. It was absolutely great to hear who has helped to shape you. I'm grateful for all of those people that have come into my life even those of many of them that came in, changed it and left might not be in my life anymore. Yeah. I'm grateful for them being there. One deep thought into the next. I'm really interested to know what some of your pivotal decisions have been. The decisions that have basically changed your course in your life. So this is what Laura says in her book. There are a handful of times when our deliberate conscious choices determine the path ahead. We remember these significant choices for better or worse. They are the major milestones on our timeline. There was a fork in the road and we chose a direction. Our lives might have looked quite different had we not made those pivotal decisions. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't fate. It was a choice. What were yours? Okay, so I came up with three. My first one was a decision I actually made my sophomore year of high school. I decided I was going to Florida for college. I was going to University of South Florida, sophomore year of high school. I knew I didn't apply to a single other school. It was that school and that school alone. And it changed the entire trajectory of my life. It, to me, was a chance to start fresh and reinvent myself. I could show up without all the baggage from high school and high school had a lot of baggage for me. When I moved to a new state, you know, and, and this entirely new place where I didn't know anybody, uh, nobody knew my story, nobody knew what I had been through, nobody even knew how I acted. So I could show up and be someone new and I wanted that. I, I did, I essentially reinvented myself and I also use that as an opportunity to meet and get to know my dad, who I did not have a relationship with prior. So that was something I wanted to do, and I'm grateful that I did. Um, through him, I've developed my love for food and travel, entertaining people. That certainly comes from him, which I consider you know, to be a big part of who I am today. But it also opened up a lot of wounds for me that I would come to need to start working through as an adult. But it was also good for me to get some space from my mom, who I love dearly. Uh, as a single mom, she sacrificed so much for me, but 
in hindsight, I realize that we were far too enmeshed with one another and I needed some distance really and just time to focus on myself, I guess, and find out who I was as a person outside of that umbrella Mm, of my relationship with my mom. Mm -hmm. So that was my first pivotal decision. And that kind of moved me away from my past. I got to reinvent who I was and actually kind of step into who I always felt I was, but I was like enmeshed with all this stuff and this baggage. And it was just a new fresh start. I have to ask you, I have to ask you, you grew up in Maryland out of all of the places in the entire country world, (laughs) what made you decide on Florida? Was it because your dad was there? Was that the only reason? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It it pretty, it pretty much was. I could get in state tuition because, um, you know, he lived in Tampa and that's where USF is. So that had, it was financial. I knew, I always said I was either going to California or Florida, but the in-state tuition was a deciding factor. And I had reached this point where I was like, I've got a lot of things going on in my head, like kind of issues about not knowing my dad and I want to get to know him. So I took the initiative and I made it happen with that relationship and and we're friends now, you know, we have a a good friendship. Was it sight unseen, the campus sight unseen? I visited the campus my sophomore year of high school and, and that was kind of the moment I was, it was gorgeous, like just gorgeous. It was 20 minutes from the beach, like just absolutely beautiful. I was like, this is where I'm going. (laughs) You had the feeling. And then I did, I did. I I knew that that was what I wanted. I don't know about you, but I find it can be so hard to move from thought to action. Yes, me too. Even when I clearly understand concepts and know what it is I need to do, I find it can still be difficult to recognize the necessity of consistent daily application. We often hear from fellow parents statements such as, I don't have enough time, or I can't seem to focus on more than one area at a time. While it may be challenging, when you have a clear system, integrating growth can become much easier. Dr. Sharice Johnson is a HER expert for the past two years and a licensed mental health counselor that we have come to respect immensely. She created the five-on-five system of success to help streamline the growth process into a manageable flow of daily habits. Mindset Matters is a guided journal designed to enhance your personal development and help you cultivate the growth you desire. In as little as 25 minutes a day, you can increase your awareness, be mindful of your choices, and create neural pathways that will expand your resilience and potential. Each journal will guide you through eight weeks of focused effort. It also includes a space for daily reflection, prescriptions for growth, and weekly words of encouragement, which is something I have personally loved reading through each week. If you've been looking for a simple yet effective way to stay focused on your goals, this is for you. You can find the link for the Mindset Matters journal in the show notes. The second pivotal decision came in college and that was my decision to go on a date with Noah. I almost didn't go out with him. My roommate and was one of my best friends in college actually had a crush on him. (laughs) Now, to be fair, she was a boy crazy kind of girl and had literally a crush on half the guys in our apartment complex. So it was kind of, you know, to be expected, I guess. But I almost didn't go out with Noah out of respect for that relationship. But my friend, she was actually the one that pushed us together and said, you know, I'm really okay with this. You should go out with him. He's really into you. She gave her blessing. 
And now here we are 20 years later and he has changed my world. And that is not an exaggeration. He was the first person in my life ever, ever made me feel truly seen and truly safe. And when I was with him, I could be me and that was enough. I could show up in all the different ways and he, he just accepted me. No questions asked. You know, I had battled depression through high school and I had even attempted suicide in high school. And again, back to that eagerness, I felt to move away from that part of my life and to just change. I knew I needed change. I just never felt like me. I felt like I was constantly searching for something. And I think a lot of that is like the teenage angst, you know, like Mm -hmm. the emotions that's just so common in adolescence. But with Noah, when I had him by my side and just this, again, I go back to this feeling of being safe and feeling seen in a way that I, I hadn't before. A lot of those depression feelings kind of, not, of course I got sad, but it wasn't these extremes, highs and lows that I had throughout high school. I, I just, I found my safe space. I found my grounding. Yeah, I, I think that for me, he was just that steady rock that that I needed. So saying yes to that date, I had no clue. I mean, he was he was a little bit of a bad boy. I didn't know, you know, like I was just like, hmm, maybe. And then, you know, Nicole, my friend pushed me and and here we are 20 years later and I can't imagine my world without him. You know, he's he's my rock. Good old Noah. Yeah, he, he does. He, he, he does have this calming true. energy about him. I, 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 you can't explain it until you meet him. Um, but there is a grounding presence to him for sure. Yeah. He, he is. He's, he's an incredible person. He brings out the good in me and kind of calms down some of the, the crazies. <laughs> and Nicole, um, it was very nice of you to share. I mean, you did need to narrow down your menu a bit. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Yeah, she's. She's the best. And then my third pivotal decision came in adulthood, actually, when we were here living in Raleigh. It was with Noah's blessing and encouragement, I actually decided to leave my job as a high school psychology teacher. And I went with two girlfriends to walk the Camino de Santiago in northern Spain for two months. So I packed up a tiny backpack. You know, I had two shirts, one pair of pants, two pairs of underwear and socks one pair of hiking boots, some flip-flops for the showers. And that was it. I, it was what was on my back for two months. That was all I had. And we walked, we walked 15 to 20 miles a day. We gave up our phones and got off social media. So I didn't have a phone for two months. I didn't talk to Noah. I think I Whoa. talked to him twice in the whole, the whole <gasps> two months. Yeah. And we, we had just been married. We, we had been married for like two years at that point. Um, what year was this? So I didn't talk to him. Noah would tell you right off. I'm horrible at remembering dates. I I think it might've been 2015, maybe. Okay. I'm asking Um, because I wanted to see what technology was like at that time period, because. Yeah. I mean, similar to to what we have now, you know, but I, I, I left my, my smartphone behind. I wasn't able to like check in on social media or anything. We were like, we're, we're doing this. We're just in this Camino. We're not communicating with anybody back home. And you know, I've shared this, some of this story before, but never this exact part. So I was walking through the Meseta 
a lot of times the three of us, I was with two girlfriends, the three of us would end up separating and we would just kind of walk separately at points during the day. Cause you know, you're walking 15 to 20 miles a day. That's a long time to be like with the same people. So we would kind of separate and just walk alone. Um, so I was walking through the Meseta, which is basically just mile after mile of wheat field. It was 20 miles through the Meseta in one day. So it was, everything was brown. It was a dirt road, a dirt wheat field, the blue sky, the sun was blazing. It was so hot. And I've often shared that I had several epiphanies on that day. Um, and I've shared about that before, but this was also the day that I realized I wanted to have a child. Noah and I felt we would want a kid at some point, but we kept pushing it off. We kept saying, we're not ready yet. We're, it was fear. We were scared. Oh, and yeah, we, yeah. You know, we were scared of like giving up our life and like changing things. And you wanted everything um, to be perfect before you brought the child in. Well, yeah. <laughs> it never is, by the way. <laughs> never. Um, so I, I came to this realization while walking through the Meseta on this day that I wanted to have a kid and it was something I truly wanted for us. So I came home from the trip and I told Noah and he was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I, sent like, you away. I sent you away for two months <laughs> and you come back saying some wild things. Um, but he took some time to think about it and, you know, he decided he was on board. He was like, yeah, that, that sounds great. You know, and then two and a half years later, we, we had Kira, uh, which obviously changed our world in a million different ways. So that was a pivotal decision for me. Like, I feel like if I was still teaching and kind of wrapped up in like the pressures that I felt as a teacher and just the day-to-day -day kind of of everything going on, I don't know that I would have made that decision. So it was this decision to leave my job, leave the world I knew for two months. And I know what a blessing it is to be able to do that in your adult life. Like how many people have a chance to do that in their adult life and just go do the thing and have two months of day, days and days and days just to like think and work through all the muck in your head. And it was, it was, it was mind opening. So that was a big decision, a pivotal decision that kind of shifted things for me. Oh my How about gosh, thank you? you for sharing all of that. That was so fun to hear that about you because there were things that I didn't know. All right. So my pivotal decisions, there's been several that have happened in my life. All right. I have to share that I have an OCD brain. I have a very neurodivergent brain that kind of obsesses about things. And one of which is decision-making and I obsess about decision-making and it, I, I don't make decisions very easily. I have to think about everything in detail and what will happen if this happens and yada, yada, yada. And over the years, it's gotten a little bit better, but when I selected my college, my first college was five and a half hours from home. So I grew up in upstate New York. I went to school in Poughkeepsie, New York, which is down further towards New York City. It was about 75 miles north of the city. I grew up in central New York, Rochester, a little tiny, tiny town. So my idea of going that far away was that I was branching out. I was getting out of this small town because the idea was if you got stuck in the town, then you weren't successful. And, you know, you, I kind of fell into these labels that people place on you. So I chose to go far away. And while I was, it was my freshman year of college 
I was 18 and my brother, like I said, he had hemophilia and he got sick. And this was October of my freshman year of college. And he ultimately ended up passing away. And he was just shy of his 17th birthday. We were 21 months apart. So that set my year up to be extremely dark. I just was lost and felt like I didn't fit in. So my pivotal decision was when I decided to transfer schools. It was a huge change for me to go five and a half hours from home to then being about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes from home. I was able to see my family when I wanted to. Granted, the experience I had at Marist meeting people was phenomenal. I love meeting people and different types of people and diversity and whatnot. It was more just the things that were happening in my life at that time were, it was just so tragic and and just so devastating. So that was a huge decision for me. So then I, I moved up and had a successful college life and met some wonderful friends. And my next pivotal decision was after graduating from college, I didn't know what to do with myself, just like everybody else doesn't really know what to do with themselves. And my sister at that time had moved down to North Carolina. And many people don't know this about me, but I've lived in North Carolina twice. I try to just condense my stories <laughs> for people and be like, yeah, I moved down from North or from New York. And, but I moved down with my sister for five months and lived with her. And in that time, during that time, I worked for the headquarters of the body shop. Then I met a man named David Edwards. He went horseback riding along the Appalachian trail or something. It was like this amazing trip. And it just fed that desire in me to go traveling. I quit my job and decided to go traveling. And this was a huge decision because I didn't really have a lot of money. So I planned and I I got myself a waitressing job and I worked my full time and then worked uh, waitressing in the evenings to build money to go. And I happened to meet my travel companion while I was at the body shop. So that whole situation set me up for such a huge moment in my life. I went traveling and I did an around the world excursion where I went to some third world countries and countries that I never thought that I would find myself in. It was amazing. So quitting my job, that was a second pivotal decision. My third pivotal decision was the second time I decided to move south back to Raleigh. And that decision got me to my last pivotal decision, which was when I met my husband, whom when you were talking about Noah, it just resonated so much with me because my husband is very much the same. He was, it was one of those things where you just know. I met my husband and he's like the opposite of me in certain ways and mm-hmm. balances me out. It's just, he's, he's my soul mate. And so I met my husband on St. Patrick's day. And when he asked for my number after talking to me for just, I don't know, 10 minutes, I almost gave him a fake number. And my, my decision that made the world of a difference was that I decided not to. 
thank goodness I didn't give my now husband a fake number. I was going to put one digit off, but then I was like, no, I mean, I did. I liked him, but I was like, this is, I, this is right. I just met this guy, but I did. I gave, gave him my real number. And so then four months after that meeting, we were engaged and four months after that we were married. So we were married within eight months. So yeah. And 16 years Look later, we are still. I love the love stories. They're, <laughs> they're always fun to hear. This has been so fun to talk to so you. So much fun. Yes. I love I, when we get to dive deep and learn more about each other. Yeah. And with that being said, we're going to break this up. We're going to come back with our last two questions. Stay tuned for part two as we share our stuff and answer the second set of questions out of the four we selected from the list Laura Tremaine provided in her book. How would you answer the two questions we discussed in this episode? If you were to have a conversation with someone and tell them about who taught you how to be and what your pivotal decisions were, do you know what you'd say? We encourage you to explore these questions and we look forward to sharing more with you in our next episode. Hi, bye friend. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us so you're the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you.